This episode is brought to you by Avast, global leaders in digital security for network operators. They can build a safer digital world for your customers and their families. Discover more at avast.com slash partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot com slash partners. Hello and welcome to another 5G update. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading and joining me today is Gabe Brown, an analyst at Heavy Reading. Gabe, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for uh, making some time for me. Uh, we just finished uh, the uh, this week, we just finished the 5G Ecosystem Digital Symposium, which you chaired and uh, provided lots of content for. <laughs> um, uh, it was a, a a very interesting symposium because we're we're sort of covering, um, I guess the 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 opportunities within five G and sort of uh, where the markets come uh, so far, what's still left to do, and then you know maybe what the what some of the opportunities are in that. Um, I guess that's a good place to start. I I I was interested to see the you know the, the carrier presentations, obviously. Um, so Telecom Italia spoke on the first day of the uh, symposium. Um, what did you find unique or, or sort of interesting about uh, Telecom Italia's approach to 5G? Um, yeah, a guy called uh, Giovanni Romano from uh, Tim um, Architecture and Innovation Division gave the, gave, gave the presentation. A couple of things. One is Giovanni himself has been involved in 5G since since before day one, if, if, if you see what I mean, he's really kind of been yeah, deep in yeah. the whole process. So he's he's one of these um, people who's just so steeped in it all that he's he's great to talk to. Yeah. Um, Tim specifically, Telecom Italia Mobile. We say yeah, that's why we say Tim. Right. Not just some guy named Tim. That's just why are they always talking about me? <laughs> anyway, not, sorry. Not that Tim. Not Tim Apple or or whoever. <laughs> <laughs> the um. The, the, but but so one thing about Tim and particularly a little bit wider the Italian market they have um, a great spectrum position in in Italy for example for five G particularly they paid a lot of money for their spectrum but the, the operators they have a very good sort of spectrum position they've built out good networks I think you know the cost of the spectrums meant they've had to make use of it and build good networks right yeah. But particularly, you see a really interesting thing in in, in Italy, uh, Tim, the other operators, but also the kind of surrounding industry, where they do a lot of work on kind of working with the different sectors on actually trying to develop the use cases, the beyond smartphone use cases. So whether that's um, safety applications, you know, connected ambulance applications, there's a whole kind of, there's just a whole program of that right across Italy. And it's, you know, we don't hear about it much if we're in the UK or if you're in um, the US or wherever. But it, right. but 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 I've seen this a lot. They've they've got this great program there, and it it seems to be kind of making progress. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I do think the industry, uh, you know, players like the operators do need to, um, you know, work hand in hand with the uh, manufacturing, healthcare, vertical industries re- really tightly to sort of figure out how to best use this technology. Because right now, there's so many. There's a bunch of use cases happening. There's a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, you know, I guess industrial applications. But um, when when they when they sort of start working together earlier, I think the the use cases become more interesting and maybe more integrated into the whole process, of whatever they're doing. Yeah, I mean that that was one of the points I made actually in my introduction to that panel is five G is going very well. Things are looking good. We can talk about that, yeah. but 
there's still two big problems. One is coverage. That's solvable, and I think that, that gets addressed, more networks, basically. But yeah. the big one is how to actually now go and innovate on this 5G platform, so-called. And, you know, we've had this idea of there's a race to 5G between all the different regions <laughs> and, and all of that. Yeah. Well, if there is a race, the real race is going to be how quickly you actually you know, build applications and services on the 5G network. I don't think it's really about how many sites you get live. And it, it's actually building that upper layer of, of the services. Mm-hmm. And there, I think, you know, candidly, operators do have a lot more to do and they need to. So they're doing a lot of work. They have these things. We had um, someone from the 5G Open Innovation Lab. Uh, lab. She was a speaker on there, um, Caroline right. Chan. Yeah. They're doing a lot of work, but all of these, you know, all of these telcos, they have their own innovation lab, right? And they get partners in and they kind of co, um, co-develop co and, and yeah. co-create and things. That's really fine. That's a great thing to do. But if you put yourself on the in the shoes of these, these developers, these content companies, gaming companies, whoever they might be, industrial companies, they want to develop an application that they can kind of run across operators, right? They don't want to... Sp- developed specifically for Verizon or or T-Mobile or what they want to support also AT&T and then they maybe they want to go and put it across operators in another region in 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 Western Europe or something like that right. and yeah. at that level I don't think the operator community is doing enough to really uh, make it easy and you know help these companies actually make money on on the 5G platform yeah I think there's there's been um you know the the carriers are quite infatuated with their labs and uh, the, the they like showing pictures of um, scruffy looking gentlemen sitting on beanbag chairs and coding and all that kind of stuff and but 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 the ideas the actual ideas for you know the industrial internet um, 5G especially are going to come from the industry itself like you said and and they're going to be far more pragmatic than uh, uh, you know a one carrier approach. Uh, to all of this, so yeah, that, that that's that's always worth remembering, and I think that's where, um, yeah, watch keeping an eye on Telecom Italia and companies that have uh, operators that have that uh, kind of had that head start in, you know, uh, in this this part of the five G race, if you will, <laughs> um, it's going to be more interesting. Um, so that wasn't obviously the only uh, thing that talked about uh, in the second day of the symposium. Uh, there, it was focused a lot on private networks. Um, uh, so what did, what did you learn about, you know, private networks that you didn't already know or sort of what what's new that's that's developing there? I mean, we had a we had a great discussion. It was just on on Wednesday. I think um, the, the the best part of it, we had a, a, a guest speaker from three UK private networks, a lady called Catherine mm-hmm. Gull. Three UK is a mobile operator and it's a European kind of operator group um, owned by a big Hong Kong uh investor entrepreneur kind of group but anyway they, they, right. they they've been around since 3g that's what they called three um right. challenger type operator now uh catherine who is the sort of um lisa business element for the specialist private networks group just kind of talk us took us through how they got that group set up it happened a few years ago they were right on the leading edge of all of this um and she told us uh, uh, went for a couple of things but but in particular the example of the world's first private network deployment in a commercial airport you know of any scale which where they, which they deployed in in Heathrow Airport it's the main airport into London and 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 it was so they could run aircraft operations runway operations a lot more reliably they had a couple issues and things like that and so she took us through this example and it was it was um it was really interesting from there we could kind of extrapolate into other industries and the requirements and why they needed a private network not a public network right yeah that's a, that that was about what I was about to ask is like, what was, what was sort of the, the reasoning behind 
you know, why not just do it on the same network that everything else is, is running on and just keep adding capacity and so on and so forth? Well, we, uh, the majority of pri- large majority of private networks are isolated from the carrier uh, public network. Uh, and a number of reasons. Primarily, it's because if you're designing a private network, you have kind of requirements, particularly for availability. So, is it working? That you can't, um, you know, you can't ask the public operator to support. So, if you have right. a like a base station go down on a public network, the neighbouring site picks up the traffic and they come out and fix it and put it right. And it's a, you know, it's a day or two or whatever it is to to, to get it right. If you can't afford a day or two waiting, (laughs) you can't afford it, right? So you have to have a different design, and it has to be something that isn't, um, you know, the operational model that goes with it isn't part of a a public network model, you know? So so you you want – it's basically it's availability. You want it always there. You want it always working, and you want to specify it to your set of applications. Um, You know, the the, the big difference on on that front will be um, not just failover recovery, but things like we're doing a lot more uplink on these private networks. Public Mm -hmm. networks are configured for downlink mobile broadband. But if you're taking um, HD, ultra HD uh, video streams in from remote monitoring, remote control equipment, that's all uplink. So the network needs to be set up, you know, fundamentally in in a different way. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, uh, two, two good points there. I just had a, a brief uh, cartoon nightmare scenario of somebody on the uh, uh, landing planes having to call and sit on uh, sit on hold or or fill out a trouble ticket <laughs> for their for their network problem. <laughs> it's like that's that's also why we have private networks <laughs> so they don't have to do that. Um, let's see. So. Uh, uh, so anyway, the, the the 5G ecosystem digital symposium is, is uh, you can get to it from going to lightreading.com and searching for uh, 5G ecosystem. And, and uh, it's also in our, our the site's hamburger menu. You can go to the conference archives and watch these presentations again. Uh, before I let you go, I want to talk about Apple a little bit. Um, apparently, they've announced uh, a 5G iPhone. Um, did you know about that? It was kept kind of quiet. Uh, yeah, I did. I think I heard something. Okay, good. Um, so, you know, during the presentation of the the Apple uh, uh, iPhone, you know, they really spent a lot of time talking about 5G. And I think much to everyone's surprise, because usually they're very device centric or very, um, you know, focused on a particular service or something like that. This was, they, they spent a good bit of time talking about the network, what difference the network makes and that sort of thing. And then, you know, backing into uh, the different changes they've made in the a design of the device itself. Um, did you find that surprising? And why do you think, you know, Apple uh, is, is I guess, made 5G such a centerpiece of, of this next iPhone announcement? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did find it surprising. I think a lot of people did. Just the, the amount of focus on it, kind of it was well-trailed, you know, it's going to happen. But yeah. the amount of focus they put on it, I found it surprising. Um, but I think they were right. And I've kind of explained, so why it's surprising is, you know, if you use a 5G service today on a smartphone, you know, you get fast downlink and it's great and it's several hundred megabits. Maybe you get a gig if you're, you know, ideally placed and, and all of that. But it's not fundamentally something you really notice and you know, how you interact with your your phone or your device or your services. Not really at the moment. So you think right. for a company that's so famed for this focus on user experience, why are they talking about 5G when... Yeah, it's just something that happens in the background. It's just yeah. something that happens in the background. So from that point of yeah. view, yeah, definitely... Uh, a surprise, but but um, still, I think it, they they were right to do it. Mm. Um, it do you, do you think they're right because uh, because of where we are with five G, it being kind of a new thing, or because of 
um, you know, maybe Apple's uh, worldview and how that's changed in the, in, you know, in, uh, over the last decade or so. Yeah. So there the, the are quite a few kind of ways of explaining why they did it. And there's some of them quite interesting. My, my sort of personal take on it, and I, I, I don't discount the other views we can maybe talk about at the moment, uh, but it's, it's first of all that they kind of understand that there's enough information to know that while 5G isn't quite there yet, it's gonna it's gonna be there. We ha- now have the information right. experience to say this is going to be amazing. It is going to be a really good service. Mm-hmm. But they also know now that they are the leading provider. They are the number one provider of smartphones onto a lot of networks, not everywhere in the world, but in a lot of countries, a lot of markets. The number one device you'll find is some form of Apple iOS device. Yeah. I checked actually the stats um, on this with uh, some colleagues over at Omdia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they said something like forty five percent of the devices on the network now in the US are. Apple devices. Yeah. It's the high 30s in UK. It's 50% in Japan. So, wow. you know, that's and a systemically a p- important premium, company, right? Yeah, and it's a premium or was thought to be the premium, the high-end smartphone, but now it's becoming the the mainstream smartphone. And um, I always look at, at the uh, Flickr uh, thing to show like what types of cameras people are using. And iPhones, various generations of iPhones are always usually the top five and have been for years. Um, so they're, they're definitely a little, uh, a little bit, it's, a little bit, it's to their credit that their phones last longer now, you know, an Apple iPhone probably lasts twice as long as an Android and, and that sort of thing. So that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why the in use devices have gone up, even if sales are what, 25% or something of, of, of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also shows if you're selling a phone now and people are going to have it in, in life, for what, three, four years, five years, then mm-hmm. you know that's quite a long runway, right? So it's worth putting the five G in. So I think that's uh, I think that's a part of it. The other thing is that, that's interesting though is because it's so important, operators actually you know they kind of they kind of pace their network investment, their build out around iPhone around the iPhone cycle. They actually optimize mm-hmm. networks to work well with iPhone. These are the still nevertheless premium customers in the, in, in 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 the most case. So absolutely, um, yeah. So I think. Um, Apple actually, as well as liking the technology, I think they actually felt and they do have a responsibility actually to kind of, you know, get on and get in and participate in the ecosystem in a way that helps everybody move forward. Um, the carriers, the vendors, they've known for a year or, or more that, that there was an iPhone pegged for this quarter. And that's right. actually spurred investment in, you know, network equipment and technology, but also the rollout. If Apple had just gone, you know what? There's a few things we don't quite like here. We're going to sit out a little while and, and let you fix it. You know, what? what uh, that's no message to the, to, to the rest of the ecosystem. So I feel like they had a responsibility and, and they fulfilled it. Right. You don't think they just saw the first couple of, uh, uh, you know, complainy gadget reviews and thought, eh, maybe 5G is not ready yet. We'll just we'll just push it back another year. <laughs> then the, the telco networks, the execs set themselves on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure they thought about that, but I think that they're too they're too much. Uh, you know, they're in the ecosystem are enmeshed yeah. in it and, and their success rides with a carrier success and vice versa. Yeah, I think I think that's a, it, you know, it, it, it's. Definitely an interesting point because they, they're they're in such a different spot than they were when they first introduced the iPhone, which is kind of the lens that a lot of journalists still use to cover them. Is that sort of you know they're disrupting the you know the carriers are, you know they're, they're they're building it because they want to and because it's a cool gadget, not because they're you know integrated with the carriers or because you know that sort of thing. And 
I think that's just, you know, Apple's just in a completely different place now. It is the market. It makes the market. And so, yeah, they're definitely going to have that um, uh, more, uh, you know, virtuous cycle with the uh, uh, with the carriers and the component vendors and everybody else who depends on the iPhone to make their uh, uh, to make their financials. Um, and and all I do is to take cat photos with it. So yeah, it's kind of- <laughs> I chatted t- with a couple couple other people about it. Um, the other reason people are talking about it is well, Apple's now in services; it's streaming a lot of video and so forth. So they're going to want better connection. They're much more. Inv- I don't know if I buy this totally. They've always wanted a good connection, right? Because because yeah. whether you're sourcing your video somewhere else, they still want it, it to work well. But but maybe at the, at the, that's a part of it. Then yeah, now they're kind of you know more deliberately in the content game themselves. So yeah, it does make sense that they would have uh, you know the best possible experience to display and and go get that content. Um, and I, and I think, I, I think that's, you know, they've always kind of been high on that from a user experience point of view. Um, yeah. but so it could but be it part is, of it, but could you yeah. compromise content from another source? I don't think so. You know, you, you I don't no, think their content's I, that great that they can, you know, drive no. it that way. The, and, the um, thing is they, they still use, you know, gaming, um, you know, Apple has its own gaming service, but it, it also knows that mobile games are, you know, the best mobile games arguably are developed by companies that it has no control over. So um, the same with like Netflix and other providers, they they know that consumers, um, believe it or not, now I don't, but some consumers have a life outside of Apple's ecosystem. I I, I don't know what's out there. I just stay, I just do what they tell me. So I, I just, <laughs> I'm still a fanboy, as, as a tech journalist keeps saying, that, 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 like that's a thing. Um, anyway, uh, before I get uh, uh, completely off uh, off track here, uh, uh, let, let, let's wrap up. Uh, yeah, the 5G Ecosystem Digital Symposium, uh, the information is on light reading. You can go to the light reading uh, uh, top left-hand uh, menu and pull down the uh, uh, conference archives or search 5G Digital Symposium. And uh, for the Light Reading Podcast, in case you're hearing the audio-only version of this, um, the uh, Light Reading Podcast can be found on any of your podcast players, but also at lightreading.com slash lrpod. Gabriel Brown from Heavy Reading, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, thank you, Phil. Take it easy. All righty. Thanks to Avast for their sponsorship this week. Avast's award-winning security solutions make it easy for your customers to stay safe online, no matter how many devices they use. Learn more at avast.com partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot partners.